Hi guys, K.O. here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I am so excited about this conversation today. I am welcoming the founder of Temple Granola, Beverly Carnes. She is an on-the-go mom, professor, entrepreneur, yogi, fitness instructor, and so many other things. Temple Granola is my new favorite. It's vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, made from non-GMO ingredients and organic oats for optimal clean snacking. Beverly started this company over 20 years ago when she just started making the granola in her kitchen and it started to gain a following so she made it a full-time business. This is an awesome conversation if you are chasing the dream led by your heart space, you're looking to start a business or grow a business and you're looking to attract the right tribe. We got to get our vibes dialed in. Enjoy this conversation and be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts and look for the video on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Good morning and happy day. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am so excited. We have a Colorado-based founder of a consumer packaged good that I'm a super fan of. You know, we are super, super picky on who we bring on from the business world on Turmeric and Tequila. So I'm super excited about this conversation. We are welcoming Beverly Carnes to the TNT mic. She's an on-the-go mom, a professor, an entrepreneur, a yogi, a fitness instructor, and so much more. She is the founder of Tempo Granola, which is a vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, made from non-GMO ingredients and organic oats for optimal clean snacking. Beverly started uh, making her oats over 20 years ago. And as the request started to come in, she made her business, she made it her business to make better granola and make it available to as many people as possible. I'm really excited. If you know, turmeric and tequila, we're all here about balance and this is Beverly's mission. So, you know, we are, the universe is aligning us strategically. So the mission is my mission is to inspire a healthy body, inquisitive mind and bold spirit fueled by food consisting of natural ingredients. We all grew up with join me to spread awareness that balance is the key to healthy living. So there you go with balance. Uh, Beverly, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be with you today. <laughs> uh, we, Beverly and I met through a connective, a connect. And if you listen to the show, you know, those are my favorite things because friends of friends are friends. So I think our very first conversation was well over, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. Um, so we just had lots in common and CPGs, Colorado base, all the things. Uh, but Beverly's also a professor. So she's naturally a strong female boss. And as she was telling me stories and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a human I want to be like. So I'm so excited to hear her journey, share it with the audience, um, but even do a little business on the side and see where we can grow the brand even more. But Beverly, tell us a little bit about you before we get into the business. Give us a little about like young Beverly, your background. Sure. Happy to do it. Um, I'm from Iowa, grew up in a great big family with lots of brothers. And so, you know, food was really important to us. Um, Like that's how she showed love was through food. Um, And so we're still a big gathering family. Everybody gets together all the time. You know, we would literally have the whole family, maybe 30 of us together every Sunday. It was that sort of family. So I grew up in that kind of environment and then, um, you know, went to college and ended up found myself in New York City uh, working on Wall Street very different from where I came from. Um, we, we at one point used to laugh that I think there were seven of us from the state of Iowa on Wall Street that time. And we all knew each other. So we had our own little community. But I was always, you know, sort of that yin yang in that I loved my finance world, but I also loved 
running and playing tennis and getting outdoors. And I learned to literally climb in Central Park, things like that. So I found myself always wanting food that fueled me. And it was really food really was love to me, but it was also so, so much more than that. And it was the fuel that I always needed. So I found myself cooking and, you know, many of my friends in New York didn't really cook. And so we found our teeny tiny little shoebox apartment filled with friends who are all like, wow, this is amazing food. How are you making this? That wasn't my passion. I mean, there was one point that it almost was my passion to go into the food industry when I was young, but I stayed with the finance industry instead. Um, and then found myself in Colorado with children um, and continued to you know, love cooking and continue to love my finance world as well. And that was my career. And then I was a gatherer of people and people would always be like, what are you making? What is this new thing? You know, I'm that person who just loves to grow my food and then cook it for others and share and give back to people. I mean, that's how I show my love by doing that. And so as a result, um, I ended up making granola. Uh, often for the kids who are in busy activities, you know, whether it was sports or music or wherever they were, they were always looking for some healthy snack. And it's as a mom on the go who was a working mom, I needed a lot of portable things. And so I would find myself putting granola in little bags and ziplocking these bags for the kids. And they'd come back and it would be always the clusters that they ate with the big pieces of nuts and the big pieces of fruit and so forth. And so I got to thinking, well, why can't I make that just that? And that's how Temple kind of came came about by making first the clusters that you could just eat on the go um, that were healthy. Because um, unfortunately, granola is not the healthiest of uh, of foods any longer. It's very, very sugary. And so, yeah. yeah. So the goal was to put as much protein in it as there was sugar. So we have sort of a one-to-one protein to sugar ratio. So that was where the whole thought process came about. I love so much. So there's so much like yin and yang, turmeric and tequila happening. And I love, because as humans, we are so multifaceted. I mean, finance to cooking. I mean, it's like the juxtaposition of all things, but it's so great because I think that's how most people are. Like we wear many hats, we have different passions, but it's also awesome that you had like this passion kind of naturally fueling, no pun intended, um, the dream, but you also had like your little product testers, like developing this like goal and mission kind of, I don't know if you were aware of it at the time or not, but it was like all the intel was happening on which way to go until it kind of like, led you into the the full space of taking this on into a business did were you excited to take it onto a business or was it kind of like it just naturally led that way it, it naturally led that way but what was really exciting to me is you know how the world kind of converges and as I was asked to be a professor at uh, CU Boulder my students were the ones who were saying well why don't you actually why don't you package this and sell it? And I, oh, oh, no, no, I can't do that. No, 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 I can't do that. You know, this is just for, you know, I was giving it away to them. And, you know, I had a little, a brown bag with a little label on it. And they're like, well, I'm like, I don't know how to build a website. I, I don't know anything about social media at all. I'm just, you know, that's, that's a whole nother younger generation than me. And they're like, oh, we'll help you with professor. We'll help you with that professor. And so kind of being fueled by these young, excited, you know, this tastes really good. Mm-hmm. Originally, because when I started making it, you know, I made it for my kids, but I also really made it for me because as I was aging, I found that I couldn't eat certain foods anymore. And so I'm like, well, if I'm making a healthy granola, let's add some other things. Let's add a natural vitamin E in there. Let's add some prebiotic, not a probiotic, but a prebiotic. So to get your good gut biome to, you know, like an alarm clock to wake that good gut biome up, things like that. And so once I started doing that, I was thinking it was more for my age audience, you know, sort of an older audience. And then it was both my students as well as my own 
kids who are saying, you know, mom, we want clean food too. We want healthy food too. You know, we want food that we can read literally every ingredient on the back of my package. You actually know what it is. Um, and so, you know, there were no preservatives and horrible things that most granolas are full of. And I'm like, well, if I'm making clean granola, you know, everybody can have it. So it was great that my students and my own kids sort of helped me kind of push me into what the CPG industry is really about. Cause it used to, it's very much changed as yeah. you know, with mm-hmm. COVID and oh, yeah. it was a much, it was a very sort of like, this is what you did and this is how you did it. So, well, now it's like wide open it, you know what, you can build your company the way you want to build your company. You don't have to yeah. follow up whatsoever. And there's some super successful CPG companies that you don't find in your local, you know, King Super grocery store or whatever, because right. they chose it. So I think that's what sort of, sort of turned me on of, hey, I don't have to do it necessarily the traditional way. Right. Well, and I, I like you brought up the point. It's kind of like the, the um, students became the teachers, but it really takes a village nowadays to get something off the ground. And I think the key factor, and we've talked about this a lot in our meetings, is humility. Like you don't always have to be this old school um leader archetype of like, I have to know it all. I have to be it all. And I have to have all of it figured out. You, I think you can be good at one thing and then build your team accordingly and let them do the other things that they're good at. And that doesn't show weakness in your leadership or brand or anything else. It's actually strength. And the cool part is, is the transparency with our young people. It's like, you kind of have this old school, like <clears throat> we eat clean just because we're making food from the farm or from our garden or whatever. And then it kind of, you know, at the, uh, convenience and like not having a lot of time kind of led us to fast food and crap food and we weren't really talking about anything and now our kids are like wait 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 we see all the health issues and the allergies and all this I need to know what's going on so it's like it's almost come full circle so while we're different generations this generation our young humans get get it and they they want to see what's transparent meaning see in the package see the ingredients so it's it's kind of like everything has come full circle and it's a good place to be if you have some of that conversation awareness on like what is actually good for you because you're right on time for our young people our future consumers and satisfy what they're actually looking for and i think some of the big and big cpgs don't get that because they're still so disconnected from the ground level oh absolutely they're 100 disconnected and and for them it's about how fast we can make the product mm-hmm. and how cheap make the product and you know words like natural they, they've used words within the industry that you can't necessarily put your finger on it because it means something different to me to you than it does to me and so it, i've had a huge learning experience in the cpg industry and i absolutely love and it's really led by young people um who come up and look at the back package so they look at the front of the package and they go oh you know it's pretty it's a pretty package but the first thing they do is they turn it to the back i'm like yay you're my kind of person you know, they want to look at the nutrition facts. They want to see what's in it. You know, they want to see what the, what's in their body, even for a snack. You know, they want to see everything. Um, and then we found that, you know, people were going, well, we like these clusters. They're great. So, but what about, you know, a big one for like breakfast or what, you know, what have you. Um, and many, many of us are switching to so that we're eating more protein in the morning. I mean, that's mm-hmm. certain that you as a fit person know, knows to do, but it's also something the whole menopause thing as far as switching how you eat, which is a very big piece of the industry as well. And a lot of that is switching and putting that protein in the morning and looking for protein rich things to start your day with. Um, and it just changes your whole lifestyle. Totally. So how did, how, I'm really curious, knowing some of this intel around nutrition, um, I'm 41. So I, and I've always been in sports, but even as like a D one top 20 athlete, we didn't have a lot of conversation around nutrition. Like that was like consistently now that I've learned certain things intentionally, and I've sought out that knowledge that I've had to kind of evolve over time, even at high end competitive levels, 
minimal conversation. How did, and I know you're a fitness instructor and you've been, you know, a well, healthy person forever. How did this conversation with nutrition really initially start with you? Cause it sounds like you got it pretty early on, or you saw the power in making intentional nutrition, nutritious choices early on. Right. For me, it was really something that in trying to change what's going on in my life as I aged, you know, you have different seasons and you find yourself maybe being more sedentary than you want to be because you're behind a computer desk or, you know, something like that. The things that I was doing when I was younger stopped working. You know, I, I did all of the, oh, well, don't eat after this time. Oh, well, watch your sugars. Oh, well, watch your refined, you know, sugars, refined foods, watch that. And all of a sudden that wasn't enough. So everything started, to, I needed to do more and more and more. And then it became a situation where it's like, well, wait a minute. I can either go the way that some people go, which is not great for your body, um, or I can go the way of going, no, how do I get, you know, sort of quote unquote, more bang for the calorie, you know, more bang for your buck, more bang for your calorie. And then say, okay, well, what is this calorie? And what does it mean for my body? Is it, you know, and, and then understanding yourself to go, well, everybody needs some kind, something to snack on. Everybody snacks. And so you say, well, what, what is it snack wise? Do I really gravitate towards salt? Do I really gravitate towards fat? Do I really gravitate towards sugar? And understanding that imbalance and saying, okay, everything in moderation is okay. Um, I once lived with a nutritionist who was super athletic gal and she literally would eat anything. And I said, yeah. I, I believe you eat everything. And she goes, I eat everything. It's about doing it in moderation and in combination. Um, and so that's where sort of the tempo came from. Um, and, and once we started on this path, we just kept making it better and better and better. And I had all my yogis and even my students who would taste it and go, oh, we don't like this flavor. Oh, we like that flavor. And so that's how we came up with our three flavors. Um, it was really a consensus. I love it. So. The pat It's so funny how things come in, right? I mean, you happen to live with a nutritionist, of course, like things right. kind of line you up and the arrows in the forest present themselves. Um, <clears throat> so tell us a little bit about, well, actually, before we get into the name, if, if you're, if you're new to nutrition or you don't know a lot, do you have a good piece of advice of like, where to start? Like, how do I, what's my first step or what was your first step getting into like questioning a better way around fueling? The best thing you can do and everybody hates doing it. And I'm included there is to write down what you eat. Mm -hmm. The reason it, it really makes you understand what you eat and, and don't cheat yourself. Don't lie. If you eat, you know, a handful of chocolate covered almonds, perfect. Put them down, mm -hmm. you know, and really understand what you eat. And then the timing of when you eat, because we all have some kind of circadian rhythm that ha says we're hungry at these different times. I mean, we used to laugh because my mom coming from a big family, you know, we'd get done with the dishes for lunch and she'd be planning on what you're making for dinner. There's nothing. <laughs> at these certain times, you know, and when you start understanding that and breaking that cycle and you as an athlete probably know that because you probably do some really early morning workouts and do you feel before, or do you go there with an empty stomach? It'll affect your workout mm -hmm. and start figuring out what works for you. And your body is very different than everybody else's body. I mean, I say this all the time, but I will break my own rule, which is I always go to yoga on an empty stomach. Why? Because that's what that works for my body. Mm -hmm. If I don't, man, man, my balance is off. I can't, I just, that's what works best for me. Now I, my other yoga instructor friend, she's like, I can't even teach if I don't have a big breakfast. So our bodies are very different in the way in which that, you know, we, we work. So it really is understanding what your body needs, but first write down what it is and then make tiny little changes instead of these big sweeping changes. I think that's where we all fail is because we make these big sweeping changes. We say, I'm going to not do these five things. Well, those five things just proved to be too hard. So maybe, maybe just don't do that one thing. 
just that one thing, whatever that one thing might be. Um, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're, you really love fast food. Maybe you're a fast food person. Um, you know what? Give yourself a break and say, okay, on this day, when I get to this, I then get my fast food. That's your thing. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, to just not deny anybody anything, but just work within your own body and figure out what works for you. Um, cause it will be very different. Yes. And I think that is, I mean, that you nailed it so much golden Intel there that took me years to figure out because we are taught like, here's the grapefruit diet or paleo or whatever. Yep. And you're constantly fitting yourself into these like prescribed boxes and larger metaphor for life. You don't fit. And like, <clears throat> you really have to do trial and error. I think write your food journal, which is funny. Like even you're saying like, write it down. It's even if you know, it's just you that's going to look at it. You're yep. like, mm, I'm not going to put the chocolate chips on there. <laughs> even if you know, it's such a weird psychological thing, but just tell the truth. It's just you. But there's so much to learn. And when you can really figure out what works for you, like she's saying, it it streamlines so much process in trying to figure out these other things, like maybe be a little bit paleo, but then eat. Like I actually started working with a nutritionist about um, seven months ago. And I did, I was like you, I fasted before work and I felt better, but I couldn't get, as I was ramping up my training, I needed to get in more calories. And so I had to get up earlier to eat earlier. And now I can't train without like a really good solid breakfast. And I do oats. So sometimes I'll do the granola. And mix it in, especially if I'm in a rush. Um, but I, it switched over time. So I think it's good to even check in like every five years. And I'd say this about your core values as well. Like check in and see how your body's changing and do that food journal, do that uh, that awareness piece. Yep, yep. I mean, when, when when they get to be about my age, we always talk about the same thing. And that's the creep. You know, you, you gained a pound this year. You gained two pounds next year. You gained three pounds the following year. All of a sudden you look at yourself and go, wow, I just don't look as good as I used to look in my same clothes. It's not like your clothes don't fit anymore. You just don't look as good. So therefore, then then they start doing these really restrictive things, but that's not what their body really wants, right. and so they end up failing. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just it's a lot of believe it or not, it's just a lot of you know common sense and blocking and tackling and and then just being truthful with yourself and giving yeah. yourself a break here and there and say, okay, I did I did this and this and this, so <laughs> can do this this and this, you know. I Moving big believer in moving, you know, instead of, instead of driving, ride your bike instead yeah. of, you know, walk, 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 walk. If you can't run, I used to run marathons. I have issues now, so I can't run marathons anymore, but that doesn't mean I can't run a 5k or a 10k, um, or a half marathon. Um, right. but you know, a full marathon isn't probably in my future any longer. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, that's good. It's good. You got that off the list. So early on, I need to do a full more. I, I, it's, it's something like I just want to do at one point, but I'm just like, mm, do I want to do it? So at least, at least you check that early uh, on that note, let's talk about tempo. Why I loved your reasoning behind you, why you named this. And I think it's very appropriate. Um, for the brand, but you know, I mean, if you listen to Tumor and Taylor, know me as a human, I'm always about the people before the company. And I only work with humans that um, I can connect with and I get and that, that are mission driven. And then the product service, whatever the, the business piece is, is second for me. So um, Beverly, I, I liked her immediately. And I just, we, we talked about like, I think everything. And uh, I love that her business started from this heart space. But then when I was reading about the name, it was just so fitting for her as a person. And then in addition to the brand at Link. So tell us a little bit about why you named it Tempo Granola. Absolutely. I was, I had a lot of different names. I originally called it um, Yellow Dog because I had a yellow dog named Aspen. And um, I often would eat granola after I'd, you know, be training or something. And Aspen would be sitting with me. And so I would oh. give Aspen some of my and she loved it, right? And so I called it Yellow Dog and had a picture of Aspen on the back. And I was very excited about this, right? And then um, it was in a, a small store and 
uh, uh, the owner said, you know, dogs are loving this granola. <laughs> and I said, no, no, it's fine granola. And, he, and then he's like, you may want to change the name. And so when I was trying to think of another name, um, we were throwing out all different kinds of names. And I kept going on this thing about like literally like coming from my heart space, you know, older woman trying to, you know, upper calorie, try to have clean calories, blah, 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 on and on, on the go. You could eat it in the car. You could put it in your backpack, eat it after the gym and so forth. And I have a son who um, um, was in high school at the time and is a musician. And he said, you know, mom, I like to eat it even when I'm gaming. So I'm not moving there. He goes, it's not that you have to have it like only on the go. You can have it anywhere, mom. It's whatever the temple of your life is. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's interesting, you know, from the mouth of a 16 year old. Right. And so I was like, you know, maybe we should call it temple. What would you think of that? So you know, that's how the name became Tempo. So it really is for that. It's really for whatever, whatever speaks to you, however you eat, however you live, it's for you. I mean, you can eat it on the couch. You can eat it, you know, um, you know, after, after you work out, sedentary, active, it doesn't really matter. The answer, the answer is it's just, you know, if it's something that, you know, tastes good to your taste buds and fills you up. I love it. Well, and people, again, some of the, <clears throat> Older, larger CPGs that have been around forever, they're so not only disconnected from the ground level, but they're disconnected from the heart. And, the, and people, CEOs, like, again, the, our, our big wigs are so not aware of how much our young people get that. And I mean, it came from your 16-year-old's thought process. So naturally, like, that's what our kiddos are thinking. And they're connected to brands. Like, it's so much more than I'm just eating something and going on. It's like, who is this? What is this? What did it come from? Like, it's just such a different conversation. So it's so so serendipitous that it came from him but then nailed it it's like the tempo of things like it's so funny that that's and that's not even a food thing it just like fit in with the fueling so it all just kind of fit together yeah absolutely absolutely and it's too because i think i had to like sit down and think because i do also in my other world my project finance world um i'm working with companies that work in like the clean tech space and some of that and these are very big companies much bigger than my little granola company so (laughs) things to them like you need to think big i mean if you want financing if you want to move this company forward you need to think big and you need to think bigger and think bigger and think bigger and those are the those are the companies that get financing and so it's not the ones that are like in the little safe space it's the ones who think big yeah and even in when i'm teaching my entrepreneurial finance class in in, in at school i I'm, I'm like okay that's a great idea how does it how do you make it bigger how do you make it broader? How do you affect more people? You know, can you give back with it? I mean, how do you reach your largest audience? That's the way your mindset needs to be. Think big. Um, I wish so I would I, I should have had you because I would always get I'm obvious I'm way more your math science I'm creative law woo all of that is way more bright brain but I always would like my brain would be like I'm not going you know I wasn't the best lacrosse I mean we played the Colorado lacrosse didn't compare to the east but in my mind I was like oh no no, no just get me there and, I, and of course I got run over freshman year but I, if I could just get there I was always thinking like oh no we're going to Team USA like we're going to start a podcast and it's going straight to Oprah and Hoda Copy like there was never like the in between um, and often people would be like well we got to do small steps, tone it down. So I wish I would have had you cross my path being like, no, no, cling to that bigger ideology and that thought process. Um, Because when you, when you think big, the decisions that you make will get you there. Yes. When you think small, you think next step, next step, next step, next step. And there's that fear factor of what if I make the wrong choice? 
Yeah. Well, if you're thinking big, you have the kind of an end result in mind, even though it's amorphous, you don't even know how to get there. You don't know necessarily what steps to make, you know, those people will cross your path. You will find, and you know, that's why at first I was like, I can't make a food product. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm, I don't come from the food industry. Most CPG, small CPG companies, when you talk to them, they've all worked at some kind of food, something company. Mm -hmm. And I, Never had that. I've only had a finance background. Um, and so I bring something completely different to the table, but you find partners. Yes. And that's a lot, sort of a little bit older is that you, the partners that you find are super important, mm-hmm. super. And those partners, and I'm very committed to only working with certain partners, those partners will get you to that next step. Yes. Amen. And this is why um, I want everyone to listen, go try Temple Granola, but I really want you to follow and lean into Beverly's journey specifically because I love the yin and the yang and the juxtaposition. And again, we are multifaceted humans and and we are taught to think like, well, I I don't have this background, this resume X, Y, Z, so I can't do this, but this has always been in my heart like this. I don't, I don't know what it is. And being like, kind of like my woo spiritual side brain. And then also my grounded small yet science and, you know, cut and dry measurable side and both things like the in-between is like, you don't always need to know the how, like you just have to do that one step at the time and keep seeing that larger vision and not always have the every piece of, have a plan, have an agenda, but some things are just like the universe, God, Madonna, I always say whatever you believe is like conspiring in some capacity to get you there. So I like when you say that, especially having, you know, the very grounded (laughs) science background of not necessarily knowing the how or how each piece is going to come together. Oh, absolutely. And when I, and when I work with CEOs, they'll always say, well, how do I get this? I'm like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yes. Like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Your job to worry about this. We'll worry about this. And so yeah. people will cross your path and people will guide you. And I think one thing too, that we have to, that we very much, I just a mantra that I live by is, you know, my, my mom used to say, if you do something, do it with all your might, things done by half are never done right. And we literally, even at her funeral would say this, because all of us have heard it our whole lives, all of us kids. And that's really true. So whatever you do, just do it to your fullest, just do it to your fullest, whatever that is. And then the next thing will come. I mean, yeah. it's a little hard when you're a young person to understand that. Um, and it's for some people that makes them very nervous for other people that makes them very comforted. I mean, I have two different children that for one, that would make them very nervous and for another one that's music to her ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, in, well, and I, I often say, cause my whole career was not a thing when I was in high school. I didn't even, I know that lacrosse was an option until I realized there was competitive teams out East cause Colorado was so small and then, uh, got into marketing and branding, didn't know I was going to do that. And then Instagram took off and happened. So it was kind of like some of this stuff wasn't even a thing yet. So I couldn't even stress out about what I was going to do, which I am very like, we'll figure it out. Like I'm comfortable with that zone, like very hard structured things make me nervous. So kind of just going with it is, has worked in my favor. And now the landscape, everything is changing so fast. You almost have to be on the non-plan plan because opportunity you didn't even expect is coming through. And it's not a lack of like, just don't do anything. Don't show up. You still have to be committed and show up and do the hard work, but you just have to be aware. It's almost like what you're saying about nutrition. It's this continuous awareness of how am I changing? How's the landscape changing? How's the product changing? And you're constantly like on this wheel moving with what's coming in. Yep. Absolutely. And say yes to everything. I tell my students that beginning because I often tell them, you know, they, 
they have, they're on this plan. You, like you were on a plan. You, you, you were really good in lacrosse. And so you probably won lots of stuff here in Colorado in lacrosse. You got a bigger platform because you were so good at what you did. So that bigger platform came with a whole bunch of unknowns, right? But you said yes to it. You just leaned into it and said yes. So that's what I tell my students. I'm like, just in the beginning, just say yes, just get a job, you know, because yeah. we sort of t- our, our kids, you know, we, you, you do this and then you do this and then you do this and then you get into a good school and then you do this and then you do, and then kind of when they graduate from college, we're like, okay, you're big people now. Now you should know what you want in your life. And, and yeah. people don't, you know? And so then from there, they're like, well, what, what happens from my perspective? It's like, just say yes to everything. Just say yes and find a mentor. Those are yeah. the two things. Those are the only two things you need to think about. And it could be mentors, many mentors. Um, But I said, you know, just say yes. When somebody says, do you want to blah? The answer is yes. You know, should you have a call? Answer the call as yes. I mean, and and then keep leaning into that. Yes. Saying yes. And and looking for mentors because they will guide you. Other people will see in you what you don't see in yourself. That people saw that with you, Kristen, right? Other people are like, oh, wow, you're really great in sports, but you could be really great in this area too. That you'd be like, really? Because yeah. people see in you that you might not even see in yourself. Yeah. Uh, or if you see it, you go, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. No, 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 no one's ever said that to me. Well, right. if you lean into it, and those the mentors are the ones that basically give you the the encouragement that, you know what, what you're doing is right. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing more of it. Just keep yeah. doing more of it. And believe in yourself. Amen. So. I think that is such a huge golden nugget right there is people seeing what you don't see about yourself. And that continues to happen. Just like you were saying with your students being like, we can help you with us do this, do this. It's like, so it can come from unlikely places, but there are, if you have that awareness, there is, like I always say, arrows in the forest pointing you in the right direction. You just kind of have to like see it and receive it. I was never good at like, oh, well, you can do this. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm an athlete. This is what I do. I mean, I wasn't, I was smart, but like my brothers were waste. They were the smart kids and I did this. And so you, we, we cling to these like narratives and these stories. And it's so great if, if there's people, especially people who can really look up to and respect like Beverly that are telling you stuff, receive it. Like even if you can't fully right. receive it, hear it as much as you can and then lean in just a little bit. That took me a lot of time to really, to drink. Yeah. And, and, and grasp. Yeah, it, it was some stuff. Because I mean, you just, like you said, you grow up and you kind of have this trajectory as, as non-plan plan as I was. Um, but then th- like being a creative stuff that I just didn't think about that was there all along. Like it had to hit me square in the head before I was like, oh, this I do love doing this actually. You're right. Did you have yeah. an awakening like that at any point um, through the granola or finance or anything where it's like, oh, this is where I need to pivot? Yeah. I mean, I did have several mentors that, you know, when I first started on Wall Street, again, I was an accidental Wall Streeter. It, you know, most people go to Wall Street, they like have some, this is what I want to do my whole life and kind of thing. I mean, I was an accidental Wall Streeter and then I happened to uh, be in the tech industry automating a tra- trading floor. And um, they're like, you're really fun. You want to come work with us? And I said, hold that thought because we just travel around the world. So we put backpacks on our backs in 1991, which you guys probably were hardly born. Um, and you know, we traveled around the world, which you know, Americans just don't do. Um, and so, uh, we traveled all over and had a great time for 12 months and then sort of went back and went, okay, now what do we do? And so I just remembered that someone had said, Hey, you're really fun. Do you want to come work with us? So I called up the person said, you know, I'm back. Can I come work with you? You know, kind of thing. And then they slotted me into where they felt I would be best, most, and most successful. Um, and so it was just trusting, people. Yeah. Um, 
one of them was my mentor for many, many years. Um, and so, yeah, so it definitely works. And I, it, it's working today too. I mean, my, my 25 year old had a conversation, somebody put her together with somebody and she got off the phone and she says, I didn't think I was interviewing for a job, but the guy said, you know, I'd really like to work with you. Oh, and yeah. she jobs and it's a definite big step up for her and she's very happy and it's all working well. So it's that kind of thing. So just make those relationships, you know, use your network um, and not have too much of a plan. Just yeah. be open to everything. Be open to what the universe is sending to you. Yes. You know? When I think like you just said, be a good person. And that's so cliche and you got to be authentic. Like if you're in a bad mood, whatever. But like, usually if you just bring good energy, like the business base is like people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And that's still true to this day. Like if, and it's more true today, like if you really don't like someone, you don't like the vibe or the energy and it's just not a fit. People won't do it. And our young people have no time for it. Cause they don't, a lot of them don't care about making millions of dollars or having like the escalate with the rims or all the things that I saw, like in music videos that I wanted, I was lured by like the money, which I actually was that was never really my vibe, but all that, they don't care. So if, like, there's not like some genuine connection. It's a miss. But if you can show up and like, oh, you're really fun. Apart from being, you know, it's Wall Street, Wall Street and all these people have dreamed of this job, but like, mm, we love your resume, but we're going to go with the fun person we actually know, like, and trust. That says so much. And I think that is truer than ever today. Yeah, absolutely. And relationships. I yes. mean, this is, this is craziest story. So I was looking for someone to speak to my classes, right? So I called some friends that I've had a relationship for 30 years with that were wonderful portfolio managers. They spoke to my classes. They talked about this internship that they had. I knew nothing about it. Known them for 30 years. They never told me about an internship that they had put together for other students. Invited my, you know, my students to come along. So then, of course, they're like, hey, would you come out and teach a section? So I said, sure. You know, one good deed, you know, determines another. So I go out to Chicago. They then have a barbecue. I'm talking to these people. Long story short, I don't know, three weeks later, somebody calls me who was a friend of a friend of someone at the barbecue that said, I would like to distribute your product. I ate it at one person's house and so-and-so told me about it at another person's house. Had nothing to do. I mean, I had nothing to do with them. I brought no granola out there, nothing. But if you are, if you just keep those relationships and you just don't know, they're you know, their, their, their environment, who they're, you know, in contact with and so forth. I would never have guessed that they would know somebody who wants to distribute healthy granola. Yes. And you that's know? not even the hard sale. You just showed up as your authentic self and it kind of worked out. And these are like really hard spaces to break into. Usually you have to know someone, not even on the personal, level, but like know someone who knows someone that knows a product broker and then you take them out to a basketball game and buy them dinner. Like yep. some of this is just like, it's really hard to begin. So when it authentically happens, number one, you know, you're on path. Number two, you, you didn't have to do anything and it's not like slimy sales, like aggressive. It's right. just totally authentic. Right. Exactly. And then when we, when we started talking about all the people that we kind of knew together, I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the, world, the world is, I mean, this is, yeah. this has to work out period end of statement, but it also gives you the ability to say, okay, I trust you with my product now. Um, be, you know, again, I look at my, my company through a finance eye. So the eye that I'm looking at it through is, is, you know, numbers and so forth. And that's the thing with the small CPG companies is they have no power. Mm -hmm. And so I was speaking recently and I'm like, you know, I think it'd be great to put a bunch of small CPG companies together and a bunch of different areas and have a whole fund of them because we're all doing the exact same thing. We have different products, but we're all doing the exact same thing. Yes. So why not give, why don't we get some power? Why don't we collectively come together and take some power away from some of the other 
people who, you know, we're takers of what price they want us to sell our product at. Yes. Anyway, so we'll see. I mean, again, thinking, thinking bigger. Yeah, graceful disruption all the way. And so let's lean into that. And this is another reason I'm really excited. I'm encouraging Beverly. Um, and if you know any of the business I do, I'm always encouraging my varsity humans to get more on the mic, get more on the front of the camera, get on social media, like get out there in it. And it's always hard for myself included to step into it because it just it does feel myopic. But if like as you hear her speak and you know there's so much ethos there and credibility and experience, and for all the um my naked influence out there, influencers out there that have millions of followers, no shade to them. That's great. You can follow them too. But if you can get some value and some real intel from a, a source that you can know, like, and trust, it's amazing. And then I want my influencers to lean in and feel that and be like, oh, okay, I do have a lot of value. Like, let's do do this. So I'm excited for Beverly to share more of her journey, not only just about temp Tempo Granola, but the business side. One thing we talked about initially was um, she'd seen all these CPGs going, you know, with her boots on the ground, with her husband at the farmer's market. I saw it myself and it was such a wonderful thing because some people, you know, hire people to do that. But there's so much intel and like you've seen those transactions. But she saw this common thread of like businesses coming and going at the farmer's market. And, she, and we talked about how much the business side is not talked about in these small business arenas. It was like passion for the product or service, but we don't know the business. Beverly, give us a little bit of the background of what you've seen and what are like some common mistakes that these small businesses that you can share if anyone that's listening that wants to start something and wants to get in, but like really wants to know about the business side. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Happy to do it. Because um, this is sort of where my, another passion of mine lies too, is, you know, sort of giving back um, because it is the finance industry is an industry unto itself. I mean, we use words that you don't use in any other industry that you're like, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, so you, your first conversation usually is with people is is literally just educating them on 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 what 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 words mean in the industry and in the way in which margins are calculated and things like that. I'm like they're doing that all backwards, and so you know it is. It is an industry that's a very unique industry. But some of the, the big classic mistakes that people make is, first of all, um, you have to really be careful on looking at what your product costs. A lot of people just look at what their ingredients cost. I'm like, no, your whole total product cost. So what does this bag cost? You know, what does it cost to manufacture this bag? What does it cost to distribute this bag? What about the box that this bag goes in that, you know, you ship off to, let's say, a grocery store? So understanding your entire cost structure and then understanding what are the the, the expensive parts of your cost structure. Is it is it, let's say, hand done? That's a labor is a huge, huge piece of that. And labor's going up. So and what are the what are the costs that you have no control over, which is most of your costs, right? Yeah. But <laughs> you do have some control over. Can you drive those costs down? Does it make more sense if you have something that has a, let's say, two year shelf stability to buy that in a bigger quantity than buy it in a small quantity? You know, understanding where your costs are and then where your lev levers are to draw to take those costs down. Right. Then it's, you know, really being very clear on what what is your end game? What is it? So for some people, they are very happy to be at farmers markets and that is their end game. And you're like, great. Then you can make certain decisions with that one end game in mind. Other people are like, no, 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 no. I want to sell out or I want to go into grocery stores. Really? OK. So now let's talk. That's a huge different conversation. So understanding sort of what your end game is and understanding that your end game doesn't necessarily have to happen tomorrow or five years down the road. It can morph and change. But then to say, okay, if whatever your end game is, how are you going to get there? You know, I, I 
use this analogy all the time. It's like MapQuest, right? You pick where you want to go to, and then you have five different ways to get there. Yeah. All good. All good. But you might want to do highway driving. You might want to do city driving. You know, that's the same thing with your company. Find out what really feeds your soul. I think that's what happens with a lot of the, the small CPG companies is that they go, um, you know, this feed fed my soul up to a point, and now it feels really corporate and it's not feeding my then morph it or change or understand that if that is your end game, this is what you're going to have to path. You're going to have to get through and understanding how you can best get through that. Um, there's so many different outlets. It used to be one way and it's just not that way anymore. Right. Um, the other thing I tell people all the time, being a finance instructor as well <laughs> as a, a small company owner is um, don't listen to Shark Tank. Don't take Shark <laughs> plan. Um, you know what they're doing there's, there's some good to it, but there's definitely some other things that, you know, is not the way to grow every single business. So I tell this to, I even tell this to some of the project finance people that that we work with. I said, be careful about taking too much money. Everybody thinks you need a whole lot of money. Be very, very careful about doing that. Why? Because that will force your growth. And that may force you to that you don't want to be making because you have to service. Usually you get debt. So therefore you have to service that debt, i.e. pay it back. So you've got, you've got to make X amount of revenue every single month to do that. So just be careful about taking too much money, kind of understand how much money you need. And then you're always, so instead of taking a ton of money from one person or one entity, let's say, Try to bootstrap as long as possible. I have I have people all the time saying, "Would you know we'd like to invest in you?" And I said, "That's great. Wait until I want to be in. Yeah. <laughs> Wait until I want to be invested in. You know, I'm going to put you down there. You are one of my first calls. But you know, if you take that money, you owe them something. So be very careful about. I don't want to have to owe anybody anything until I can guarantee that I have revenues to cover that. And that's where Shark Tank is gets gets you a little over your skis. And we'll put you out of business. I mean, and and that's also something that some of the larger um, corporations will do. I mean, I've said no to a couple projects at, with very large corporations because I said it's it's too expensive. You're going to put me out of business. You're not going to propel business. You're going to propel me into the ground. You're going to drive me into the ground. Um, so be very careful on people who are offering you things. Um, that- that's hard too to walk away from money. This is actually this is a very reaching point, but this is my creative brain. Um, one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of Madonna is way back in the day. I think this was early '90s, late '80s. Pepsi was one of her sponsors, and she wanted to do this Pepsi commercial with like a prayer, and it was the burning cross, and she was being Madonna, and Pepsi was like, "No," and it was five million dollars, and she said, "Okay, bye," and it was. Again, reaching example, but like saying no to money and thinking that more is more and separating yourself from that is so hard. And very few people, when that dollar sign and that checks in front of you, can walk away and say no and trust your gut, trust your product, trust your instincts. Like that's hard. I mean, thankfully we have Beverly formally guiding us here, but it's really hard to walk away from those zeros and that check. And it's hard to know that that's going to cost you long run and your baby and your creation and your soul, your everything you represent for that for that quick that quick paycheck. That's that's not an easy thing to walk away from. Right. No, I agree hundred percent, particularly if you're paying the mortgage with that money. Yes. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. But I will say having been on both sides of negotiations with large companies and small companies and growing companies, I mean, I've done this now for 30 some years. If you have time, you will get it done. Mm-hmm. Whoever has time on their side, when they're sitting around the table is the one who ultimately wins. 
So if you think of this, you're like, okay, fine. You want to do this with my product? And I say, no, but I have time. I have time. I do not today. I end up being the winner in that negotiation. And yeah. when I was a very young in, in the industry and someone taught me that, I thought that's, that's such a weird thing to say, you know, it's kind of a dad thing. <laughs> I don't know what I mean, but now when I look back and I'm like, you're absolutely right. So in every single negotiation, whoever side of the table has time on their side, they always win hundred percent every single time done. Yeah. Well, and have, and I'm sure that I know the answer to this, but have you really appreciated over time where you have that control? Like you don't have to rush. You don't have to leverage. You don't have to have investors like it. Cause once you need those things, I get it. When you're starting stuff up, um, everything business I've started, I've started with basically nothing. So we could have used some finance planning, but we're here now anyways, but it worked. I also learned a lot of my strategy from having almost nothing, but it, ha like, walking away from the stuff is, is one thing, but now kind of being in a spot where it's like. I can say yes or no. I can say no. no one controls any of this. Like even that for my mental health has been so huge, but it hasn't clouded any decisions moving forward. Like, as you're saying, like, that's where the power comes from, comes from. Did you have like a turning point where like, that was really aware? You're like, oh, I'm actually on the other side now. And it feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was when one company said we wanted to have your product in our store. And I'm like, yay, that's what I'm supposed to be going for. Right. And then they said, oh, and by the way, each store, please put $25,000 in your budget for marketing. And I said, what do I get for that marketing? And they said, well, I have it in the budget. And I'm like, do I get like prime shelf space? Do you get a tempo granola day? I mean, what am I getting for that? And they looked at me like no one had ever asked a question. And wow. I was like, you're not for me. I'm not for you. We're, we're, we're going to have other issues down the road, but I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go out and raise that kind of money to do that kind of launch that you want me to do when I'm still unproven. Yeah. Well, and, and there's no strategy there. That's not proven. Like it's so, it's such an exciting time right now to a, to be in the position you're in, have this heartfelt space product right there. But like the whole landscape of the world is changing. Like I can go spend $25,000 on Facebook ads and it'll probably be more effective than whatever their situation is. And I don't even know what it is, but like, it's, it's like, we are at the precipice of so many things changing and like evolving. And it's, it's a really, you're in a phenomenal spot to like, have that time, have the Intel, have the experience experience, have the heart, like, and do it your own way and find, right. you know, different team members. Like it's a really cool disruptive space to be in right now. Do you have good words of advice, whether it's CPG or any sort of entrepreneur starting out, um, alongside knowing the business side, but like, what, what would be like a good piece of like, before you do anything, you've got this idea, you want to step into the world. What would you suggest people do? I would first suggest giving it to all your friends and letting everybody poke a hole in it. Tell me why you would not buy this, whatever this is. Tell me why you would not use this app. Tell me why you wouldn't, you know, is it like something else? You know, what, what, so get that intel. Get as much intel as you can for as long as you can from as many people. And that's hard because yeah. when you have idea, you, you just want to go, that idea, it is this, you know, and you want to start arguing why, no, it won't work. Or, no, no, no. You have to, but it's great intel and write it down because you're going to be coming back to that over and over and over and over. Because when you are selling anything, you're going to come up to no, no, no. And you want to have answers for that. And your friends will give you really honest advice and then go to a public forum, whatever that forum is. You know, in the CPG industry, we get to do things like farmers markets and things like that because people will be brutally honest yeah. to you. <laughs> they totally. don't like be on the other side, like listening to what they're saying, but that's good. And then ask them why, if they don't like your product, why, what, what about it? Don't you like, you know, I've had people tell me, oh, it's not sweet enough. 
I'm like, great, that's great. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for the non-sweet granola, you know, but for that person that they want the sweet granola. So that was what I'd say is try to get as big of a group that you can and, and, and test 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 over and over and over. And then from there, again, I think from there, build a thick skin and start hearing no and start hearing, great, thank you for that information. Great, thank you for that information. I mean, again, Starbucks didn't invent coffee, nor did they invent the coffee shop. You know, mm-hmm. they took an idea, and what they did is they brought people together. They wanted it to be a gathering place, and that's why, you know, we do have Starbucks. And very, very early on, I have a, a story about Starbucks literally in New York City funding a little park that we were having in, on Riverside Avenue. They they underwrote our renovation of a little park because they wanted to be in the community that's what their whole story was about to be in your community and be with you um the whole thing so you kind of go okay great so find out what is you know what is your story because your story will resonate with somebody else you know again when i started talking about you know me being older having clean calories you know that kind of thing that resonated with a group of people but i tell you all the time at farmers markets I have a a kid that might be with me or a a young person or my husband, they resonate with different people, right? Mm -hmm. They resonate with people. Um, And so try to see who you resonate with and what your product resonates with and lean into that and have multiple lines of business so that when one line of business goes down, another one comes up, you know, um, you know, COVID was great for that. It made, you know, everybody, now we, we all order online. And so I have all these online places as well. So, um, just have as many lines of business as you possibly can so that when one goes down, the other one goes up. Or you might say, okay, now I can easily morph into this. Mm-hmm. That had I not done this, I couldn't have even morphed into this. I didn't even know this existed. I mean, there's so many new things coming out in the food industry and new creative people giving you other platforms to use. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, you know, sort of all part of it, you know. Um, get out of your comfort zone and 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 just say yes to everything. Yeah. Well, and these are, this is about business, but these are all good things for life. <laughs> this is all stuff that you, you can lean into as a human. And the key thing is, and why I'm so excited about to be where we are right now in this, in the world, in our personal and business journeys is everything is about humanizing the brand. Like everything, like your brand, you as a human, I don't love calling us brands, but everything that's there, like our unique little idiosyncrasies that we do and like our little competitive edges that we bring to the table, we're not even aware of. And then you put that in your product service agenda, personality, whatever, that's, that's the goal. And like, we are in the time now where people are actually understanding that and appreciating it. And that's all that you really need. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree with that. Absolutely. And I think too, um, you know, if you, if you know, you have a good product, you don't need everyone behind you, right? You just don't You need, you need those people. You will attract those people who you're trying to attract, even if you're not trying to attract them. I find that even with teaching, you know, I'm not a I didn't, I don't have a teaching certificate. So when I was asked to teach a class um, at the university level, I said, well, I mean, I can teach a corporate finance class because I know how to do that. Um, but I don't know how to teach. And they all started laughing. They're like, oh, you'll learn how to, you know, they teach. Um, so I just went in and I had slides and so forth. I had concepts that I was, you know, imparting and so forth. But then I would say, oh, here's where I use that. And that's what the students resonated with. So over the years, I have figured out that, you know, probably my gift in teaching isn't, I'm not, I'm never going to write a book on how to teach corporate finance, 
but they're going to hear about the stories in this deal we did and this mistake we made with this deal and this we didn't think about with this deal and we didn't we worked on this deal and then this happened and believe it or not a lot of times human nature comes in and things you know don't work out because of human nature and you know somebody didn't like somebody else and so it just didn't work and you go what in business it's that stuff and that's the students that I think they actually really resonate with the most um, is that human side of it. And um, at least that's the feedback that I get. Yeah. That would have been gold for me. Like I don't watch any, I'm not really big on like fantasy, like game of Thrones or like any of the Marvel, whatever, but I'm, I'm a documentaries nerd. Like I know anything that actually happened is my jam. And I, like, if I read like how to be a good lacrosse player out of encyclopedia and thought like, I don't learn any of that. But if you tell me like a real story about a human that did this successfully, I will remember all of it. And, it, and it'll, I'm big on associations, just learning how my brain literally works. Um, And it will, it will stick forever. But if it's just so like out of a textbook and this is how you do this I don't it doesn't it that just doesn't work so you are 100% a teacher I'm sad that I haven't earlier in the journey but all things are on time but I, I couldn't agree more that I think that human experience is amazing and how awesome is that you have this giant wealth of all of these crazy experiences that, that you can like interlay into your business and into your teachings yeah yeah absolutely and I think to meet if you meet people where they are that's what they're looking for we're all looking for human connection you know yeah. like right? That Starbucks hit on human connection. So we're all looking for human connection. So if you can meet people where they are and then admit that you don't know everything. I mean, I I say that all the time. I mean, people will come up to me and want to debate, you know, what oil is better. And (laughs) I love to have those conversations because I learn from them and I start saying, oh, why you think I should do this? Tell me why you think I should do that. You know, and then I go back to my nutritionist people and I'm like, what do you think? And they're like, absolutely not. So it's great. It's great for me to then, because it it makes my learning experience more rich. And I think also people want to connect, you know, and if people spend more than five minutes talking about granola, they typically buy it. Um, You know, if I can get students to, you know, engage and a lot of times with engaging, it's just asking, you know, it's just, it's just asking them and everybody has an opinion on something. So I always start out my classes with something that's very easy, like, Hey, did you see this is going on in the industry? Why do you think that is? You know, I'm like, hey, anybody, anybody pay more for gas these days? What's going on? It's <laughs> more for gas. And so then it just will open that student up who might not be a finance student to start talking inflation and whatnot. If I started with those words, their mind would just turn off. Yeah. So it's meeting them where they are. Um, and so that's, you know, I think that's a really good lesson to learn. And I think if you can do that, even in the CPG or with any company, if you can meet your end customer where they are, they're going to buy. Yeah. They just are, you know, and if you're authentic and true and, you know, um, you know, if it comes from the heart, you know, people, people, people resonate with that, you know, people resonate with that. I mean, it used to be called, they call it the likability factor. It's really not necessarily that you like me. It's just that if you have enough experiences in life and we can connect on something, then you're, we're drawn to each other. Yeah. We're drawn to each other. We're in a statement. Um, and I sort of, that's how I'm running the business. That's how I'm like, I'm only working with people I like. I'm only working with people that I'm drawn to. Um, you know, I have a heart space for female entrepreneurs. And so if I get to choose, I'm going to choose a female entrepreneur. And if I get to choose somebody, I'm going to give somebody who gives back. I mean, you know, service. I grew up with service. I mean, that was that was kind of my our whole life was service, um, whether it was the Girl Scout. So, you know, we 
we did service. And so I love giving back. I love giving back to Denver, you know, the community fridge. I support um, a child backpack policy where they put snacks and backpacks for, you know, underprivileged kids. I've been with the gathering place and so I think if you if you have that sort of heart to serve, you get it back ten mm-hmm. times over. Absolutely, um, ten times over. Yeah. So I, I think that, yep. that the vibe attracts the tribe. I where, however you put it out, and it's again these aren't like like hard measurable. So sometimes I think that's hard for people to grasp. But I do think if you're just putting good out, good comes back, and that's when that can alleviate um, some of the ideas of having to know the how, like how stuff's going to happen. If you can just find yeah. a way to give or contribute in some capacity, it kicks back. Um, we'll wrap up here in a few minutes, but I really want to know just because we're recording, we're putting it into universe. What is, what are you most excited about this brand and this initiative doing apart from selling out or getting big or being everywhere? Like what is the most exciting piece of this journey that you're looking forward to or enjoying or working towards? You know, for me, it's gathering. I love gathering people, you know, and it, and when you have um, your life, like you have your tribe, like if it, it's your CrossFit tribe or whatever, as you go through different chapters of your life, your tribes change. And what I love about this is that for the last quite a few years, my tribes were primarily who my kids were surrounded with, you know, the sports and the athletics and the other things. This is truly just my tribe. And it's so fun. It's just so fun because there's so many people, young, old, females, males come from, you know, one spectrum of the world and another spectrum of the world. And it's just bringing that tribe together. So that's what I love. I love the connection of it all. And I, and I love the intention of it all. Like I always say, you know, you can do anything you want, just know why you're doing it. You know, there are no, know why you're doing something. And if you know why you're doing something, then it's the right decision. So that's what this is. This is my intentional tribe that I am gathering. Um, And it's fun. And so, you know, have fun all day, right? Yeah, I love it. And, and what does our world need right now? We need connection. We need, you know, giving back and warm vibes and all the cliche things, but like, that's what we need. And if you can do that through a business or do that through your initiative or giving back or whatever, I mean, that's just good energy for everyone like that. And our world just needs that on so many levels right now. So it's so much bigger than granola or women in business or anything like that. Like the ripple effect from just positive energy and community uh, is huge. So um, Beverly is such a phenomenal example of being a leader in that space. So I hope if you're listening and you're thinking about building a community or following a passion, you can see and recognize have that awareness of the ripple effect of all of the positive that's coming off this thing that you're passionate about. Um, Beverly, I have a million more questions, but I'm excited to further highlight your journey. Please check out Temple Granola Social. Do you want to hit us with the website or links or anything else that you want to share? Yep. It's at tempoeats, E-A-T-S.com. So everything's there. Our Instagram, our uh, website. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to collaborate with you. I mean, I just love all your positive energy. You're great. You're, You're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Well, thank you so much. I obviously look forward to future conversations, but I appreciate you coming and sharing your journey on this podcast. Um, Like I said, I encourage you guys to go check out not only the product, but Beverly's journey and all the good things she has going on and be ready to see her and the Tempo team at different fitness events. It's lots of Colorado and it's happening. So, you know, Tumor Cantilla is here to support that. So get out there to farmer's markets, go go get in front of um, them in real life and go taste this stuff for yourself. Yeah, and best of luck to all the CrossFitters this weekend. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Beverly. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a wonderful day.
Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 